Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for July 4th. 2021 happy independence day welcome to the show katherine smith greetings from atlanta and welcome tim shiflett good evening sir yes now we've been on the air for more than one sunday independence day but i'm not so sure we've ever done the show right at seven o'clock on independence day tim katherine can you remember if we have i don't remember David, I do good to remember what I had for breakfast, so, you know. <laughs> All right, we got our first topic, Tim's breakfast. Um, <laughs> well, no, I just, it's just sometimes we, you know, we know we take days off, and then some Sundays, like Easter Sunday, a huge Sunday holiday, but typically we'll go that night since it's kind of a morning afternoon holiday. Um, but, mm-hmm. but, of course, about Fourth of July fireworks, you know, it's, it's more of a um, holiday that spreads into the dark hours, the evening hours. So uh, I just didn't know if we had done that or not. But uh, nevertheless, um, we'll get on to our topics. And because it was Independence Day, and we really have not gotten to as much content as we normally do, I decided no guest. If, if the three of us can't carry a show, then maybe we just don't deserve to have a podcast if we can't do it every so often, even though we love our guest and we're having another great guest next week. Um, but for right now, we're going to dig into a few things, and the first thing we're going to talk about is Ron DeSantis. Um, really one of, the, I think, the most important Republican politicians going today, um, if Donald Trump decided to just walk away from politics, polling shows that Ron DeSantis might be the next person for that party, maybe. Well, you know, we don't know, but he's also a governor of you know, a, one of the, you know, the the third largest state in the nation. Um, so he's always making news and not all of it good. And, and I think with the cruise industry, that's the case here. And, and there's two issues, and we're going to talk about them separately, um, but right back to back since they're related. The first one, a few weeks ago, um, Norwegian Cruise Lines, which I'm assuming is based out of Norway, um, out of Europe, to get on a Norwegian cruise line, you're going to have to be vaccinated. They want proof of a vaccine card is what their stance was a few weeks ago. And we talked about putting this on the show agenda. And um, one of, of course, their ports of call is in Florida. I think it's Canaveral. It's uh, near Cape Canaveral. It's um, south. It's uh, actually kind of due east of Orlando. That's one of their main uh, ports for, I'm sure, the whole um, Eastern Seaboard, Ron DeSantis said, well, that's in Florida, so you're not going to require a vaccine card for anything in our state, even though it's your cruise ship and you are taking it out to international waters straight away. And probably most importantly, cruise ships, if COVID gets there, and we know this from what happened um, last March, you know, roughly, what, 15 months ago or so, um, cruise ships are a terrible, or a great, whichever you look at it, incubator of any virus, but in particular COVID-19. Um, Catherine, what is your thoughts on what Ron DeSantis is doing here? I think it's um, foolhardy. I think – I mean, I have a lot of problems with it. First of all, um, it's counter to CDC recommendations. Second of all, um, why should – I mean, I just find it interesting that uh, a a conservative Republican would be so uh, involved in the business of a corporation. Um, uh, We always hear about 
there's too many regulations and, you know, everybody's, you know, we should let the companies do what they want. And here we are. And you're absolutely right that the, the um, cruise ships, there were people stuck on cruise ships for months during COVID because they couldn't conquer the virus while they were on the ship and they couldn't let them off. And the countries were, were not letting people um, disembark and, there was just a lot of problems with cruise ships. So um, I, I just find it all very puzzling. I also think that, um, I mean, I would like to think that people who are going to be traveling on cruise ships will want to get uh, the, the vaccine so that they're protected. But I know that that's not um, going to always be the case. So um, I, I just find the whole circumstance puzzling and, um, you know, contrary to a conservative viewpoint. Yeah, Tim, um, you know, I think even though I would like for everybody to get vaccinated and I don't mind a lot of businesses, you know, requiring uh, proof of vaccines, I don't think even if you – are kind of a little bit anti-mask and a little bit anti-vaccine, that you treat all businesses or entities or places the same. You know, um, if, you know, maybe you say, okay, Sparky's uh, flip-flop beach bar that has an open deck, we're going to give them a little more latitude than we do a cruise line, in particular one that's actually not based in America, and is based in Europe where they're taking things more seriously. Do you think that maybe Ron DeSantis would be smart not to treat everything the same? Well, he's taking a pretty big gamble here. This could be an Achilles heel. And here's the side he's coming down on, and he's decided to do it for political reasons, and that's the anti mask, anti-force vaccine mandate thing. He's with that crowd. Uh, he, you know, he, he's, he's standing with them. He's made a calculated decision that's, that that's going to get him more votes than not. Um, but, the, but he is, he, he probably should take, a different tack with the cruise lines. Here's what's at stake. There are nine point ports of call in Florida alone for cruise lines. And by the way, Norwegian's corporate headquarters is, no, it's not in Norway. It's in Miami. Is it? Okay. There, there are thousands of jobs that Floridians do in the yeah. cruise ship industry. So he is taking a very big chance here. And DeSantis, unlike a lot of conservatives, is a little more in the libertarian take on the big boys, the big corporations crowd uh, in favor of of the the little guy that you know he he's in with that crowd a little bit more than your average conservative would be. So this is not a huge surprise that he'd be doing that, but this could really really ruin Florida's economy. Now there's like oh eight major cruise lines that operate in Florida and. At least one of them is kind of backing off of of the uh, you got to be vaccinated tag. They're backing off that a little bit, and they're saying instead we want you to be vaccinated, but we're not going to stop you from getting on the ship if you are vaccinated. But you're going to pay more for fees, mighty daddy daddy da. Uh, they're hoping that will mollify DeSantis and his crime. It probably won't. And the other cruise lines are just kicking around the idea of just basically going ahead, doing what they were going to do anyway, and just ignore Florida's law, basically telling, you know, DeSantis, okay, your move. You're going to shut the cruise lines down or not? So this thing is really just getting started. 
and it could uh, it could blow up in his face, or it could work in spectacular fashion for him if they all back down. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see. Um, Catherine, go ahead. The other thing that um, one, at least one cruise line is doing is um, well, a couple things. They're requiring that um, passengers who are not vaccinated have um, uh, travel insurance uh, as a protection. And then another one is limiting access to certain amenities. So like um, interior uh, restaurants, some of the buffets, some of the, um, you know, activity activities are limited to people that are vaccinated. And um, for those locations where they're um, opening it to all passengers, there's, you know, uh, social distancing and additional protection. So uh, that's another uh, way that some of these cruise lines are handling this problem. They're obviously very concerned about um, spreading the virus uh, on the ship. And I completely understand that concern because we saw it before. Yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting politics because obviously if it moves so quickly that DeSantis ran off um, several cruise lines to where they docked in the next state north that – you know, would have, you know allow the regulations, and I really do not know what all cities port for cruises. Um, I don't think it's just like every single place that has a beach um, docks for cruises. So I don't know that maybe it's, there's none in South Carolina, none in Georgia. Um, you might have to go to North Carolina, Virginia. I just don't know. So that that will figure into the business dynamics. Um, unless they decide they're just ticked off at Ron DeSantis and they'll they'll move their business long term, um, mm. even if they build new ports, which that seems like a a pretty um, iffy operations because they're not in a good financial state since they didn't do any business for over a year now. Tim, well, you also talking about moving north? It would cost them a great deal of money. They'd yeah. have to hire a lot of new people when they got to wherever they were going. And remember, a lot of these cruises leave Florida and go over into the Caribbean in yeah. that area or maybe run down run down to Mexico or, or somewhere close. And yeah. imagine having to do that from Virginia Beach, for instance. It would be, it'd be tough for them to do it. It add at least a day to the trip, which that you know, you know, changes everything, and the weather is not as good as quickly. And, um, or and, long and, and they so all have their offices and all their workers and all that. Yeah. You know, they got everything in Florida. Yeah. Now, one more thing on before we get to the next part of this is. Now, I know everybody takes cruises. I mean, there are people across the political spectrum that take cruises, but don't cruises typically skew a little more conservative? Because I know that some of the um, environmental impact of cruises has come under scrutiny. Um, A lot of times uh, it's more inclusive to where you don't get off the boat and and as much and don't go out and, and, and you know, get into the culture as much, which people that are a little more closed than open would like. So if conservatives kind of skew slightly um, Republican, how do you think that might impact things, Catherine? Um, I haven't really thought about that. Um, I suppose there might be some people who are relieved that they're that they don't have to get a vaccination in order to go on a cruise but political reasons but i think that um as far as people who will be voting for DeSantis i think that this personally just from the uh jobs perspective and um 
you know, the economic impact, I think this hurts them. Catherine, I think that's I mean, an excellent help them point. With, yeah. It might that, help that, them with, you know, conservatives, but I think that overall um, the economic impact is going to be negative. Yeah, I think that's a good point because while somebody in Pennsylvania or Alabama may say, go, Ron, go on what you're doing, they don't vote for him, whereas the person that, that somehow puts them at more risk when they get back on the cruise ship um, that actually lives in Florida and votes in Florida, that's a bigger issue. Excellent point there. Now, let's talk about a related issue, Florida cruise ships, but we're going to move down uh, probably further south since um, there's no current cruises uh, docking. The they like it as is without cruise ships or more cruise ships or bigger cruise ships docking, because I'm sure some ship of some size docks, but not your, your major cruise lines. Um, they're going to um, – DeSantis wants to change it to where cruise ships can dock in Key West. Uh, the people – of the Florida, that part of the Florida Keys are against that. Uh, Tim, hmm. um, what's kind of your thought on this, where DeSantis is openly opposing Florida citizens in the Keys? Uh, I don't know if it would be logistically possible to entertain something as large as a cruise line docking in Key West. And that's been a long time since I've been there. But when I was there, we're talking about a two-by-three island, and practically every bit of the space is taken up. And the U.S. Navy owns most of the island, and they just do not have the facilities there to build the giant docks and everything they would need to do to even set this up. And then you're talking about U.S. Highway 1, one highway coming yeah. down 130 miles of the Keys. And, uh, you know, people would have to drive to and from their ships. And there's a little difference in catching a, a cruise ship in Jacksonville and catching one in Key West, several hundred miles of distance. I mean, yeah. it is further to Key West from 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 here than it is to Canada from here. Yeah, I'll I, I tell you, I, Tim, you mentioned something that's an interesting point or interesting question. My thought was that they would still, um, you know, do their docking in – uh, Mid-Florida mid along the uh, Atlantic, or I guess they do some docking in Miami, you would catch it, and, and then that would be one of the stops. It would be Kingston or Coco Cay or Cosmail. It wouldn't be that you docked there. I mean, I guess you could, but I think you're right. It's logistically, I've driven it one time in my life, and it was very fun, and it's an adventure yeah. on its own. But, I mean, you wouldn't want to do it just to catch a cruise ship unless you were in Key Largo, um, practically down there anyway. Yeah. Um, well, no, so if I'm you're in Key Largo, you're still over 100 miles from Key West. But oh, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Key Largo, um, it, it's suburban Miami more than it is uh, part of Key West. I, um, I, I don't even I don't I don't even think it would work in a place like Key West for the giant ships to use it as a port of call. You've seen yeah. it. They just don't have the setup there to do that. They they'd have to build something or something. I don't, I don't know how they would do it well, to be honest. Yeah. With you. In the in the in the like Mediterranean and and the Adriatic um what the what the big cruise ships do is they they um, anchor far out from the from the shore, and then they have uh, boats that come small, much smaller boats that come and carry the passengers in and out, um, so hmm. that they don't have to come to because the, the the docks are much smaller. But David, I'm not clear sure I understand your question. So um, what DeSantis is saying is that. Uh, he's going to allow cruise ships to, he, to yeah, visit, a, basically. He wants to allow cruise ships 
in Key West. I, I guess I wasn't thinking of it as a port of call, which Tim makes a lot of sense in that if you did, unless you live somewhere close to there, it, it would be a, quite a haul just to get there. Um, so, but he wants to open it up, so and this, this gets like into. A, go ahead. It's like a featured stop. I think that's that's more what I was thinking. It'd be a stop because, and I mean, it is somewhere that not everybody um, goes just because it, it is a. You have to dedicate the time um, to go there. I stayed in Key Largo the time I went to Key West, um, uh, but I mean, you can stay in Key West too. It's just, uh, but it. It's an um, expensive place to stay because it doesn't have a lot of um, so some of the keys just because it is a limited amount of space. Scarcity. Right. Now, well, let's get into this. This is kind of a larger question. Florida's always been that anomaly. In some ways, they are more conservative. They are more Republican, but they want to protect the environment, certainly as it relates to keeping it beautiful for tourism. They understand that tourism takes a lot of the um, uh, the economy, and if they start putting oil rigs and everything else out there, um, you lose something. And I don't know if this is part of that, but it's still in that vein of kind of preservation, if you will. Tim, do you think this could hurt Ron DeSantis in that portion of the Florida Keys? And I'm not talking about just Key West, but, you know, Big Pine Key, pretty much everything, say, South of Marathon. Um, it's from what I understand, those keys are all one county, and that key that county is a Republican-leaning county. Do you think this could cost him votes in that area? Uh, possibly, but again, even on things like the environment, DeSantis has been a hard guy to nail down. He's yeah. been a he's been a hit and a miss on some things. Um, so, uh, like. Um, Global warming is not something he's been very strong on, but other areas of the environment, uh, like with his um, measure that he pushed through the legislature to protect Biscayne Bay, for instance, is a very iconic area down there, and that was very popular that he did it. So it's just hard to nail him down. This guy is, is pretty clever. He really is. He checks a lot of boxes that conservatives love, while at the same time, he seems to be able to present himself as, shall we say, a little more reasonable than a lot of conservatives are, even though he's not really that reasonable. You see what I'm saying? He just presents himself on television as being so reasonable. He's a very measured individual, and uh, it it, it would be tough to to hit him on the economy. It would be easier, I think, to hit him on the economics of the cruise ship industry than, than on the environment. Yeah, I, and I tell you, I, that's what kind of scares me. He is a he's a smarter guy than a lot of the folks that are trying to bubble up um, yeah. out of you know this knee reactionary right. I mean, he's not uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Chip Roy. Um, you know, these folks that have uh, come out of nowhere and the woodworks. He, you know, he's got two well, Ivy League degrees. He just doesn't seem to yeah. want to apply some of the knowledge of all of it all the time. But, but you know the knowledge is there. That's what kind of um, worries me at times. There is a but, though. The but is but there is the jealousy of Donald Trump to consider. Now, Trump at his rally, and we'll get into that in a minute. Well, that's where I wanted to mention I just wanted to mention this about DeSantis. So he was careful not to say anything bad about DeSantis, but he also said, I wouldn't mind having him as a running mate if I ran. In other words, yeah, he's good enough to be number two. <laughs> so, Tim, you know. Tim, okay, we're talking about Florida. It's like a vacation, yeah. and we've got three yeah. tourist attractions, and we're just yeah. finishing up tour t- attraction two, and you're trying to get us to three. We'll get no, there, Tim. No, no, <laughs> this is the DeSantis I'm still talking about. Not <laughs> okay, not let's talk about Ron DeSantis. Now, Ron DeSantis 
course, he's been busy, with, and rightfully so, um, the tragedy that happened over a week ago now. Uh, President Biden came down, and, and Ron DeSantis and First Lady DeSantis, I don't know her name. If y'all know her name, please add it to there. But but I did recognize her from those campaign commercials um, back when he ran in 2018. The two of them actually sat um, with President Biden uh, talking about, you know, um, the tragedy and, and, and what both, I guess, uh, government levels can do. Um, I thought, man, that's a photo op I bet he doesn't like um, that, that could and might get used against him down the line. So we'll have that, but then let's get into the bigger issue. Donald Trump last night had planned a rally for Florida. Ron DeSantis said it's just not the time with so many, over 100 people still missing, uh, 24 as of the last time I saw it have been confirmed dead. Uh, it, it's, and I'm not sure exactly where the, the rally was in Florida, but I'm sure it was, say, south of Orlando. Um, he, and I think he even used the, the term, or somebody used it in context, read the room, that it was at the time. And, of course, Donald Trump probably never, ever, ever likes being told that he's wrong, that he doesn't know best. And that's basically what Ron DeSantis was telling him. Ron DeSantis was correct to tell him that. I, you won't hear that a lot, of, but uh, Ron DeSantis made the right call here. Um, Catherine, what do you think this is going to do to the, the Trump-DeSantis relationship? Um, well, I think it's going to depend on whether on what happens as we move into 2024. Um, if Trump decides to run and DeSantis runs, then I think their relationship is is pretty spoiled. But, um, I mean, DeSantis was pretty careful to say that he didn't ask him to not hold his rally, at least in the quotes that I read. He never said that. Um, and Trump was very um, cordial and said, you know, I completely understand why he can't attend. He should be with the people, um, you know, he should be there helping and comforting and trying to assist the people after the um, condo collapse. So I think they're playing, they're trying to play nice um, right now. I think a lot's going to depend on, you know, where we, how things, you know, roll out as we get into 2024. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, and um, Donald Trump, you know, he now lives in Mar-a-Lago right down there. He, I don't know if he's visited the site, done anything in connection well, with it. Live, I mean, no, he lives in New Jersey. He lives oh, in New he's Jersey. In New, oh, that's right. He's in New Jersey for the summer, Mar-a-Lago for the winter. Um, you know, us commons that just live in one place all year round, it's well, hard to keep up. Well, Mar-a-Lago is closed for the summer. Mar-a-Lago is closed for the summer. Okay. That, that <laughs> yes, us commons that go to Florida in the summer. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, I, by the way, I, I learned that Mar-a-Lago is apparently built in the 20s, and um, President Johnson stayed there. Um, that like the night after he announced he was not going to um, uh, seek re-election, he and Lady Bird Johnson uh, went to Mar-a-Lago, obviously no connection to Donald Trump at the time, um, the next day after that um, speech on TV. Uh, I was listening to the podcast that has all of the audio of Lady Bird Johnson. Um, and, and so for whatever that's worth – Catherine, you know a lot about Mar-a-Lago. I'm, I'm impressed with your Mar-a-Lago knowledge. I just, uh, learned, that just, I, just learned, yeah. I just learned that today. I, I didn't. Yeah. And the rally was like three and a three and a half hour drive from the location of the condo collapse. So yeah. Trump's people were saying, you know, people aren't probably going to drive three and a half hour. They they felt like the impact on that. I mean, this is what they said. You know, they're they, they're spin masters, but um, it was a, a fair distance from where that you know tragedy happened. Yeah, well, I'll say this: um, it, it could be the day where nothing sad happened, and I could still 
you know, find reason to ha- have the Trump rally skip. Um, but, you know, you, you, well, and yeah, now that you give me that piece of information about Mar-a-Lago being skipped, you know, if you were a skewed politician and you had all the people in that tower that they couldn't go back to their homes, if you're Donald Trump, you, you let them stay the week at Mar-a-Lago. Um, you know, and, and when Houston Mattress Mac uh, let people sleep in his store, so it's been done before. I mean, you could let those people stay at your resort for the week because they can't go back in their home. That's a politically savvy move, but not when you are always trying to figure out how to make a buck off of people. Um, Tim, I'm going to pass it to you now. What do you think Ron DeSantis not attending the rally? Rumors are that he said, you know, don't hold the rally in Florida. Um, what do you think that's going to do to their relationship? Uh in public so far it hasn't done anything like i said trump and DeSantis both were very careful to say what they said trump's rally was up at sarasota that's a long way from as catherine mentioned from from miami um trump uh, has said things in public like well you know i created ron DeSantis," and 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 then yeah. go on to say, well, he's a great guy. He'd be a great number two on the ticket. And DeSantis hasn't bit, really, and said anything. DeSantis doesn't have to say anything, you see. He can just go on being governor of Florida and get reelected next year, and then he's all set up to seek the nomination if decides not to seek it and i think he would might go in as the favorite i mean you saw the poll uh the uh straw poll we talked about it on the show back on june the 12th i believe it was that uh western conservative summit out in denver i believe it was and he actually out polled trump not by much, but that he outpolled him for the 2024 nomination was just uh, shocking among these conservative activists, and I'm sure the room was full of Trump people. So, I mean, he, like I said, he checks all the boxes. He's 42 years old. His wife, by the way, her name's Casey, I believe. And she, uh, her background, believe it or not, is in the media. I think she actually announced some PGA Tour events. Uh, She did some special reporting for CNN. She worked in an anchor, as an anchor at a local news network. So she's... uh, she knows what to do on television. She is a huge asset to yeah, him. She was the, so, kind of the main talker in that ad, um, that yeah, one where well, he had the child building why. the wall. And, now now and, uh, you know why, yeah. because she did it for a living. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, if you're, if you're on television, you know how to do television, just like Donald Trump did. Yeah, well, I tell you, um, it's going to be interesting to see. And, of course, he is going to have um, to win that race. And um, he's still, we've talked about him before, uh, Charlie Chris, Nikki Freed. He's got a, a former governor and sitting congressman and the only Democratic elected official um, both running against him for that nomination. So you have to think they believe he is vulnerable. Um, and so – it's going to be interesting to see because right now, I mean, based on 2018, 2020, I think from the outside observer, poor saying, well, Florida doesn't look like that good opportunity, but you've got Val Demings running for Senate. I want to say there's another name candidate. I mean, all these people are, you know, their actions, not their words, are saying um, Florida could be more Democratic than we're assuming. So uh, we shall see. Well, let's move up north and talk about another state um, that's really moved away from Democrats in recent years, but was one of those traditional swing states in 2000, 2004, 2008, and that would be the state of Ohio. Uh, Rob Portman, um, in today's GOP, is seen as a moderate, um, probably not in, in, uh, really across the board, but definitely – Um, not one of the reactionary figures we've talked about earlier in the show. He's retiring, so it's creating an open seat. And um, there is quite a list of 
Republican candidates and then um, one big-name Democrat. So let's go ahead and do a buy-sell-hold. We may mention a lot of people, but we'll really drill down on probably one Democrat, three to four Republicans. And um, I guess it just makes more sense to start on the Democratic side since he's the only you know, big-name candidate, and that's a sitting congressman um, from Youngstown, uh, Tim Ryan. Uh, Tim, buy, sell, hold on Tim Ryan. Well, I believe even if another Democrat gets in the race, he's going to be the Democratic nominee. He is probably the best candidate we could have hoped to have gotten for that race. I'm going to do a buy on him to go ahead and get the nomination. And I'm going to go no better than a hold uh, for for him to win the race outright because uh, Ohio right now is tough sledding. There, there's no way around that. So that's where I'm at with him. Okay, Catherine, uh, Tim Ryan. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a buy on him for the, as the candidate, and I, I do think the chances of him prevailing in the um, general are very slim, but you never know. It's good to have a, a quality candidate prepared in case in case – uh, we win that night and have a you know have a good strong win have good strong wins across the country. Yeah, um, since Ohio's gotten tougher, I think that this is what you need at this point in the state's um, political evolution, at least on the Democratic side. You need one solid, significant candidate to run, not five people to shred each other up in the primary. Now later on, when your state um, you know, is in a better place, you can begin to have those debates. Um, but you don't need, to, you know, the money spent and everything else. So definitely go buy Tim Ryan as the candidate, the nominee. I'm going to go ahead and buy him for the general. Um, we're going to talk about the Republican side, but if they go too far to the right, um, this is a state where Sherrod Brown wins, and um, Sherrod Brown's able to connect um, – you know, on a personal level. And Tim Ryan, um, you would think, would have some of those kind of qualities. One of those areas where Democrats used to be strong and now they're not is Tim Ryan's uh, parts of his district. He still wins, but they vote uh, Republican in other races, and, and he's managed to hold on to them. He's still got that blue-collar kind of feel to him. I do think he's far more interesting um, – maybe to some progressives than they would think because, you know, he's um, big on, with health care, preventative medicine into yoga, among other things, but really talks about um, initiatives kind of like what Michelle Obama was getting around with, you know, eating healthier, particularly in schools, is preventative health. And I think that's ignored, and it's also um, one, it's probably cheaper. We've learned, uh, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And then also, um, sometimes, yeah, you want, when you get sick, you want good health care. But what if you could transform your life and you didn't get as sick and you had a healthy, happier life? Um, so I think that's kind of an interesting issue. He's kind of cornered there, and it's not one that everybody would predict from somebody from uh, northern Ohio. So – um, I'm going to buy Tim Ryan. Now let's get into the Republican side. Um, like I said, I'm going to go through politics one if you want to read at home. Uh, we're going to mention some people but not really go into them. Like, for instance, there's one gentleman who is a Washington State resident and ran as a candidate in Minnesota in 2020, John Burham, or Berman. It's not really easy to take that very seriously. Uh, when you've run in two different states in two different uh, cycles, and you're not a resident of either one. I mean, that's kind of strange. So let's kind of get into some other names. Um, uh, current state senator and former um, state rep Mike Dolan, um, he's actually in the exploratory phase. Um, Catherine, thoughts on Mike Dolan? And you can admit you don't, because I don't know a lot about him either, uh, that you don't know that much at this point. I'm going to sell him. I don't think he's got much of a chance. 
just from what I, the little bit that I've read about him. Yep. Uh, Tim, Mike Dolan. Yeah, I'm going to sell him, too. He's He's been in the state Senate for terms. He's been in the uh, state house for maybe three terms. I think he owns like a minor league baseball team. He's a, he's a lawyer. Uh, but, you know, he's just in the exploratory phase. But if I were him, I don't think I'd get in this race. I don't think he has any chance selling. Yeah, well, Pet Peeve, when I click on his clicked on his website earlier to do research, I could give him money in like five different increments, but I couldn't read his biography. Um, if you are going to run for office and you can't put three to five paragraphs about your biography on your website, you're kind of ticking me off. Definitely don't ask for my money. Um, but also, interesting, Tim, you said he's a minor league baseball owner. Now, you may be right, because uh, sometimes I, I trust your fact-checking better than I do some people on the Internet. But accord, according to uh, Politics One, which I would put them as a higher-level source than some, he's a Cleveland Indians team owner. Now, A, that is the big baseball team in Cleveland. That usually would be a feather in his cap. There was a guy from Texas that – was a co-owner of the Rangers and apparently made a name for himself, now works in the world of art. Um, but in all seriousness, the Cleveland Indians, if I'm not mistaken, they're in the process of changing their name much like you know Washington and football did. Um, and he's going to be running in a Republican primary. And, of course, this is going to be you know Dr. Seuss and Potato Heads and everything else all over again. Uh, if he is a co-owner and he's like, yeah, we need to you know, move away from at least, uh, what is it, the Wahoo, the mascot that's on their caps, um, could that hurt him in the primary, you think, Catherine? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tim? And that's one of the things oh. I read about him is that he's um, he's probably too – I mean, he's not liberal, but he's probably too – he's not conservative enough to um, win. Yes. Um, Tim, your thoughts on uh, the ownership of the Cleveland Indians, if he truly is Cleveland Indians, not minor league affiliate of Cleveland Indians? Well, you know what? You're right. He has a partial ownership stake in the Indians, uh his father owns part of the team, and his old, older brother uh, is in on it too. And uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if that would hurt him up there. Now, I, I just don't think he should run. He, he, he could probably sell finance if, if, if he's got part owner of a major league baseball team. Um, uh, but I, I just uh, I, I don't. I, I tell you another thing about him too. He he also apparently is friends with Governor DeWine, who has run afoul of Donald Trump. Uh, Catherine may be onto something. He may be a little bit too moderate for that crowd. Yeah. And if I hadn't said, I'm going to sell him as well. Um, let's get into uh, Josh Mandel. Now, he's made a lot of his name for himself. It was the um, state treasurer, also in the state house, um, Iraq War veteran. And if you look at his state, that comes pretty clear. Also, he ran for um, Senate in 2012, which I'm taking it. That means he got defeated by Sherrod Brown, um, unless he lost in a primary which I, I think uh, Portman was already there by then. Um, and you click on his site. Once again, no bio. Um, guys, it ain't that hard. Um, but, uh, Tim, your thoughts on Josh Mandel. Bye, all. I'm going to – I think I'm on buying. I think he's one of two co-favorites to win the nomination. Uh, he he does have a little bit of a colorful history, and to to the point. Well, I, I'll get to that point later, but I, I'm going to buy him for now. Yeah, Catherine, uh, Josh Mandel. 
I'm going to hold him. I think he might be a good candidate, but he's been getting attacked for some things. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to put him on hold. All right, I'm going to go he through is, a little bit. He is, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, okay. Um, okay. Once again, there's no bio, and there's also no issues, but there's three pictures with uh, statements. Um, Pro God, which if you or have a relationship with God, that's one thing, but the way he's saying pro-God, you're kind of like, mm, he probably wants you to think what he thinks, whether you think it or not. Um, and then pro-gun, which he's not saying I'm pro-hunting rifle. He's got a military assault rifle, um, which, you know, that says a lot there. That was a la Andrew Clyde signs up in North Georgia. And then finally pro-Trump. Um, he is the Trumpiest, and you know what I said either last week or the week before, the Trumpiest is going to get the, um, you know, the nod there. And so I'm going to buy him for the primary. Um, I, I think he's going to just, especially in this divided primary where there's multiple candidates, and I don't know their runoff rules, but um, George has runoff rules, and, and Brian Kemp used it in his favor. And so I think um, he's going to win the primary. And that's really going to be a help to Tim Ryan because this is the kind of candidate that might move some of those um, persuadable voters over. Um, any more thoughts on uh, Josh Mandel before we move on? Not for me. No. No. Okay. Um, uh, let's go ahead and um, let's go to the next candidate, X. GOP chair, and she also um, uh, served at Kent State, uh, Jane Tempkin, um, you know, most developed website, by the way. She has um, uh, kind of made a name for herself, and uh, Catherine, your buy-sell hold on Jane Tempkin. Uh, I'm going to buy her. I think she's, uh, you know, she's uh probably got i think she's got a pretty good portrait for the republican the new republican party um i think she can appeal to some suburban women educated suburban women and i think she's pretty pro trump right am i do i have that right well, I'm um, right. She talks about ending up the John Kasich's decay uh, and took over the party with Trump. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna buy her. Yeah, uh, Tim, your thoughts on Jane Kempkin? Yeah, I'm gonna buy her too. I believe she is the other co-favorite to win the nomination. She she did disown Kasich. In favor of Trump, she presents herself as a very staunch supporter of Donald Trump, and she's been the chair of the o, the Ohio uh, Republican Party during the time that Donald Trump was president. So him and her are pretty tight. I imagine he might endorse her. And I notice also she uh, has already been endorsed by like, 30 to 40 Republican members of the state legislature and other various GOP officials up there. So they seem to be kindly lining up behind her, hopefully, to fend off um, Mandel, who has a history of losing uh, U.S. Senate races. You know, Sherrod Brown beat him once, and then he was going to run four years ago uh, against him again, I th- and he withdrew from the race. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to put it this way, David. If if she is the nominee, I'm going to sell the Democrats, and if Mandel's the nominee, I'm going to buy the Democrats. And I'm going to buy. That, I, I, I'm going to agree with Tim on that. Yeah, I definitely think she has a better shot um, at winning the general election than Mandel would. I think this thing could come down to two things. One, Donald Trump's endorsement would be huge um, mm-hmm. if he puts his thumb on the scale. Um, now, he could do some kind of thing like he did in Georgia where um, he kind of says two thumbs up, one for Kelly Leffler and one for Doug Collins. 
um, then it becomes kind of a wash. But if guns become a major thing, if you look, you know, in the Republican primary, it's very likely it could be um, Josh uh, Mandel may outgun her. Um, you know, just keep on, keep on, keep on, because it doesn't look like it's not like the Marjorie Gene Lauren Boebert that could just pick up the assault rifle and 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 it be you know plausible. Um, and so, therefore, if it comes down to guns, I think um, that could help Josh Vandale. Well, let's talk about one more candidate on the billing, and then we will um, – if there's anybody else y'all want me to mention on this list, I will. And that would be just entered the race this past weekend, made a name for himself before – he um, ran for any elective office because he's, I guess, never held office to this point, even though he's probably got a higher Q rating than a lot of the office holders, and that would be J.D. Vance. Um, mm-hmm. Jim, buy, sell, hold J.D. Vance. Uh, well, he does have something of a name. Uh, he, he wrote uh, Hillbilly Elegy. That was actually pretty good if any of you haven't seen it. Uh, on television uh, he's a well-known venture capitalist uh he's got a lot of money uh but i i'm gonna sell him i i don't i don't think i i think i've named my two co-favorites and i'm gonna stick with them yep Catherine, buy sell hold on jd vance uh, i'm gonna I, i'm gonna sell him uh i think he's uh while we may recognize, he may have big name recognition for us. Not sure that's going to get him very far. And having never run for office, I'm sure that he'll probably make some boneheaded decisions about running. Um, so I'm going to sell him. I, I agree with Tim. I think we've got our uh, two front runners with Mandel and Timken. Yeah. Um, now, Catherine, Tim gave his thoughts on, I guess he said, the movie. I've listened to the book and watched the movie, and I'll be glad to give my uh, take on that. Um, did you watch the movie or listen or read the book? I did not. Okay. Um, yeah, cause it, because to me, you can hold two things in your head at the same time. I mean, you can say... I enjoyed the book, or I enjoyed the movie, I enjoyed the story, I respect the fact that he had a hard time coming up and he made it on a personal level, good for him, but I don't agree with his politics. And sometimes I think people pan the movie or pan the book because they don't like his politics, Um, and that's silly. I mean, you can, you know, what is it, Uh, don't hate play or hate the game. I mean, you can can, um, just dislike his politics without – disliking everything about his personal story, which that book and movie really were more personal than political. Um, it, you know what I was wondering about the movie? Why did they film it down here in Georgia? Tax credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, why did they film this, this particular film in Georgia? It had nothing to do with Georgia, of course. Well, a lot yeah. of things they film. I mean, Ozark doesn't have anything to do with Georgia, but it's all filmed here. Yeah. Yeah, well, wouldn't that be a, It's because of the novel content. Yeah. And the, theater, the the film industry infrastructure here is really strong. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. There's just a lot of um, actors who live here now, and then there's also a lot mm-hmm. of um, the technical side is here and uh, – so it's understandable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, um, it would be a novel concept if they were to actually film more movies where they were set, um, if possible, and not worry about the tax credits and, and what have you. And obviously sometimes you need a soundstage, and that's a whole other animal. And now Georgia and Toronto and, of course, Hollywood are the places there. Um, but, you know, the, I, it's like I said, you can hold two things in your head at one time. Um, now – as far as buy, sell, hold, I want to hold him. I do think he's going to get a lot of attention, and I do think it's interesting. I don't think he's – and even though he was a veteran, he doesn't uh, – the, the Army or the Armed Services, because I'm not really – I don't remember which branch of the Armed Services he joined 
and that was part of the story of um, overcoming poverty. Um, but he used this more of a, a way to move out of poverty, not um, you know going into the war to fight necessarily like um, Josh Mandel. So I don't think he's going to cut Josh Mandel as much as he could cut into um, Jane Tempkin. And if he and Jane Tempkin divide more of the conservative to moderate vote, I mean, you know, you're still so far away from center, particularly with Tempkin, but if they kind of, you know, split that up, leaving the hardcore conservative chunk for Josh Mandel, that could help Josh Mandel. So I think that's going to be a factor. So I'm going to hold Vance as the, um, in the Republican primary. As far as the general, um, I'm going to go ahead and I think he'd have to buy because if he made it through to the general, I think some of those connections, his his wife is a woman of color, I believe, from India. And so, therefore, that's going to make him seem more open and inclusive than certainly the Trump brand of Republican has been lately. Um, and so that's how I play that. Is there any other candidates in this race that you want to cover? Catherine? No. Tim? No, I don't think there's anyone else that comes to the levels that we've been talking about. Yeah, a lot of folks, and and so candidates, you know, if you if you're offended, to reach out to us, and and maybe we'll give you a review. Um, and guess what? There's about four minutes, and we did her wrong last week, just like she's kept gotten done wrong week after week after week in that Arkansas gubernatorial primary, but we didn't do a buy-sell-hold on Leslie Rutledge, so I think we got just a sliver of time we need um, to talk about that. Um, she is the sitting attorney general of um, Arkansas, and I, I think when she f- figured she was going to run for that race, she didn't know that um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was going to move back, but now she's in a competitive primary. Um Catherine, buy, sell, hold, Attorney General Leslie Rutledge. Now, this is Arkansas. What's that other guy running for in Arkansas? Is he running for governor? You talking about Chris Jones? Yeah. The guy with incredible video? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, he is, he's running for the Democratic nomination. By the way, happened to – I was doing a presentation where I was talking about TV media, and Chris Jones um, – the video on YouTube has thousands of likes or, 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 or thumbs up, and the thumbs down is in, like, the single digits. And the fact that it's a political video, you'd think that he'd get dozens because at least – or hundreds because people don't agree with his politics. But I think that video is so good and his story is so good, people even can't bear to thumbs it down. Um, yeah, so I still hold on Leslie Rutledge, Catherine. Um, I'm going to hold. I honestly don't know that much about her. I apologize for not being prepared. Okay. Um, Tim, buy, sell, hold on Leslie Rutledge. <laughs> you know, I know she has a good story. I know she was the first Republican woman elected attorney general of that state. She's been a trailblazer. But unfortunately for her, she's up against Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, and I just say no way. I, I'm gonna sell. Uh, you know, no way. I'm gonna sell her. Yeah, um, I, I think she just got got um, trumped, if you will. Um, yeah. <laughs> in several ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, and so therefore, um, you know, she she thought she was next in line, and then. Sarah Huckabee Sanders said not so fast, and so I think that's going to mess her up. Uh, interestingly, she proposed something that I think is starting to spread in Republican-held states that I don't think they really understand the logistics of it. Uh, they're going to require the national anthem to be played before all school athletic events, um, and, and whereas you know a high school football game, you have a band to play it, and it can be part of the musical um, program, if you will. Um, and so you have the logistics of that, and I think that's one thing. But then when you have the middle school tennis match, are you really going to have somebody come out with a boombox with a cassette tape to play the, the national anthem? 
Um, I think this is not a case of a, a pro or anti-national anthem or just Colin Kaepernick, uh, Neil or Stand or any of that. This is just the logistics, you know, what exactly are you asking for here? But um, that shows that, like, I think she did that after Sarah Huckabee Sanders got in the race. It was one of those kind of reactionary prove my conservative credentials kind of moves. Um, and so uh, you can kind of tell that she's, I guess, worried um, at this point. Well, um, been a fun Independence Day show where we got some space to really talk. But we're excited next week because one of our old friends – from the Daily Coast is going to come on the show. Uh, he's been on multiple times, but has not been on recently. And next Sunday, we're going to let Jeff Singer rejoin the show oh, as our great. special guest. Yep. Until then, been the Coast Divine. Night. Good night, guys. Good night, y'all. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still 